because I just want people to know how lovely the world could be. <laughs> you just let me play with Moxophile. That's yeah. This this doesn't seem like that you have any sort of like personal stake in it or anything like that. This is just like to improve the format of modern entirely selflessly and society, honestly, and society, of course, and society. Hey everyone, welcome to episode 319 of the MTG Grindcast, the spikiest podcast in all of Central North Carolina. We are your hosts, I'm Chris Castor-Apple, with me is Lee McLeod. Hey Lee. Hey Chris, what's going on? Not much, just finished, uh, not finished streaming, we're still on the stream, but did, did some like goofy pioneer stuff. I'm now looking at a tweet from Patrick, Ru Patrick Wu saying... Wow, so fun. And his last league, which he 5-0'd, was Quintorius, Geoform, 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 and Boros Convoke, Boros Convoke were his opponents. And I put together this stupid, like, four Prismari Command Torrential Gearhulk deck to try to play against, like, a single Cascade opponent and could not find a single one. Could only find Lotus Fields as far as the eye could see in the leagues. But not the Patrick Wu Lotus Fields. Well, Notably. one one was. Oh, but, was it? But okay, my bad. And, and that's actually good. That's a much better matchup for us than actual Lotus Field because game one, like, they don't actually have any cards that interact with you. So you usually win the game a very long game one, and then you squeak out one of the post board games. And then the judge calls time, and yeah. <laughs> but if it's in paper, you won the very long game one, so you're in excellent shape. Yeah, that's one of my complaints about the the blue white Lotus Field deck in paper. Mm -hmm. Though, I mean, you're good matchups, you're squashing anyway, so it doesn't matter if you win game one in like 30 minutes. Yeah. Before we get into today's topic, which is uh, we have finally leaned into the unhinged modern ban take episode. I just want to thank some patrons. I want to thank some long-term patrons in uh, Joe Sprouse, David, Alan Swan, Ben, Michael, Kenny, and Nick. Uh, Y'all are real ones for being subscribed since 2018 and still being subscribed. I don't want to give too much away, but we'll, we have a little special thing that we're doing for long-time patrons. Uh, we'll, we'll be getting stuff out in December for that. Uh, new patrons... We have Ricky who just signed up recently. Thank you so much. And probably somebody that I've missed that we'll we'll thank on the next episode. Um, but yeah, really appreciate everybody signing up. We've had several new people sign up. Several new people joined the Discord too, which we have, you know, un public re released to the public. Um, the link to that will be in the show notes. Let's get into our topics for the day. We're going to spend a little bit of time talking about Pioneer. Had some developments. But I label can... this as subtopic one. Yeah. <laughs> and once we get through that, then then we're going to do our big old celebration of all things modern band list and give our our most our finest, most unhinged takes on on what should be done with the modern band list and, and what's wrong with it right now. Especially since it's a take, I think a lot of people don't aren't willing to share on Twitter for whatever reason. Like every time people talk about the modern band list, it's always we should ban this, we should ban mm -hmm. this, we should ban that. Yeah. And that's not exactly how I view it. No, I think it, you know, 
there's some complications. And I'm interested in hearing exactly what your thesis is here, and we'll we'll see where we line up and where we disagree. Yeah, I've I've got. We'll we'll go through it. Let's yeah. let's just briefly talk about Pioneer to get that out of the way because that there is an elephant in the room, pun intended, yeah. and a and a geo, whatever. I don't even His know geology, ge- geologist. geological appraiser. So there's a terrible movie from the like early, the mid 2000s called Geostorm. And it really bothers me that people aren't calling this deck Geostorm. Someone called it Geostorm on Twitter. Okay, good. It was Pe- more people. No, should I'm that. sorry. It was Geoform. Oh, because it had Eldritch Evolution in it. Mm, that's not bad. I, I do kind of like that. That's like mad. We're magic inspired. Because yeah. Storm has its own magic meaning, right? And surely this deck doesn't cast 40 spells in a turn. It does cast a lot of spells in a turn, though. Okay, so I, we're, we're burying the lead. <laughs> <laughs> what, what, what happened at Bionier this past weekend, there was a showcase challenge on Saturday. It had, I don't know, approximately 1,000 entrants. Like, well, well in, over 500. Infinite. It was, it was 10 rounds. I played four of them and did not continue playing after 2-2. And the big story f- for this tournament was the finalists was Quintorius combo and a four-color geological appraiser combo. And they're both basically the same. You put your discover thing on the stack, and then you've built your deck so that you go, go into copies of that discover thing, and then you just have an, a giant board. Uh, Quintorius is a little different because he says whenever you cast a spell from exile, he just two to you. Or sorry, he has two to your opponent and you gain two life. Mm-hmm. So with Quintorius, you can actually discover into spark double, copy the spark double, and hit them for two. And then the next, you minus your spark double, go get another spark double, then you hit them hit for, them for four, four, and, and so yep. on and so on. But if you're copying Trumpeting Carnosaur or Geological Appraiser with uh, Glasspool Mimic or you know, spark double, then you're you're just making a bunch of very large creatures all in one turn. Yeah. And you you cheat the cascade costs like you always do with, you know, Trumpeting Carnosaur itself, uh, Beanstalk Giant, all, all the split cards from Ravnica, Leyline Binding, binding. Virtue yeah. of Pestilence or Persistence, mm-hmm. all that stuff. Uh, these two decks dominated the tournament, got first and second. I believe the Geological Appraiser deck won. JMM got second with the Appraiser deck. Quintorius won okay. the Quintorius the won. I, either way. It unleashed a storm of Discover decks upon the leagues, which had already been pretty contaminated, but now there's permission. Pretty heavy on Discover decks. And and then uh, probably got worse, although I did just manage to play an entire league without seeing any of them as I'm sitting there with like Torch the Tower in my hand. Like, come on, give me me one. Just give me one. Notably about this tournament is that this was not destroyed by the Discover decks. Like the the tournament no. itself, the metagame representation, is pretty what you would expect if you discount first and second. There's a ton of Phoenix. There's a bunch of Rakdos. There's some Convoke. And you, you get the picture. It's just and normal And a bunch Pioneer of blue-white decks. as well, yeah. Yeah, and a bunch of blue-white. And they're just like in mass Phoenix and, and Rakdos. And it's just like, okay, yeah. this looks reasonable. And then you get to first and second, and you're like, oh, these are new. <laughs> <laughs> this is a, a different thing. Yeah, and I don't know exactly how much of that was people didn't want to bring the brand new untested deck into the showcase, and so there wasn't like too much of it represented, or how much of it was like losing to because like blue white is very good against these sorts of decks. Phoenix is 
fine against these sorts of decks. Like they, they can certainly lose to decks that have good instant speed interaction and the ability to hold them up. Although uh, JMM's sideboard quad thought distortion is definitely, uh, <laughs> you know, a thing that you have to be aware of if you're playing this this reactive game plan. So it's it's not easy to see from the tournament itself. Like, are these decks just like incredibly good? And, you know, I, I think it's pretty clear that they are beatable, but the play patterns are not good. And that's just like basically my entire take on them. Yep. Normal Cascade game pattern where you just destroy your deck to where it just doesn't resemble magic cards anymore. But I think more than that, like these particular decks are, you know, in a format less able to handle it than modern, like a Cascade decks in Pioneer in modern many different takes on them but there's a lot of you know chalice of the void exists in modern to shut down cascade decks and so the 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 back and forth between cascade decks and non-cascade decks in modern is like a part of that format that exists and is fine and sometimes cascade is winning sometimes other decks are winning in pioneer like the decks are a little bit less able to play the hate cards the hate cards are worse uh you know, Stomp is a hate card against these decks in some way, though, so that that's okay. But I think generally the fact that each of these decks represents, like, I just kill you from nothing with a single four or five mana spell is not a good play pattern, regardless of, like, overall quality of the deck. Yeah, I, I agree. And that's why it's been very fun to meme on Twitter about it. Because the sky was falling on Sunday after all the challenge results came out. Mm -hmm. uh, everyone was on Twitter just talking. Yeah. That Pioneer I was, was ruined. There. Cascade was horrible. And honestly, it was very fun. I, I posted a meme as well. I'm not immune to some memeing around. Right. But, uh, I'm, I'm not really into like write off Pioneer just yet. I, I want to give it a week and see another set of challenges and see how the format adapts to it. You know? No, same. And I, I do think these are decks that can be adapted to. And once people are aware of them and are playing the reactive cards, like, you know, I, I, I built a deck that I'm pretty sure will borderline never lose to a Cascade deck. And I don't think it's that hard to do that. But it does push a lot of stuff out. And now, like, and, and I don't know. This is a way that magic works. Decks rise and fall with the portions of other decks in the metagame. But, you know, proactive onboard decks now lose just a ton of their ability to be a reasonable choice because it doesn't matter what you have on board when your opponent just, you know, makes 10 creatures and hastes them up and kills you with them for four mana. And it doesn't like it is hard because you have to start holding up your interaction really, really early. The The Geostorm deck can pass with two mana up on turn two, end of turn, discard a Magma Opus or similar card, and then on their turn three can cast Geological Praiser and kill you. So uh, not a great play pattern, and it really cuts off like certain types of decks in the metagame. Like, I, I am now pretty uninterested in convoke for example and uh i think like mono green takes a big hit and, and you know these might be fine things for the format and we'll see how everything plays out and i i agree i'm not willing to just like write off pioneer because of the existence of the cascade decks but 
four or five mana cards that just win the game when you cast them if your opponent has not the proper piece of interaction being held up are uh that's that's a tough sell to me for a good format yeah yeah for sure (laughs) uh we'll undoubtedly talk about that you know in the weeks to come leading up to the rc more in depth when we've got just more data it's funny that Cascade found a brand new way to be broken that we've never seen before. I mean, haven't we seen it before? It feels like... Like, it's kind of similar to the old ways, but the, like, we made it an ETB, so it's, like, not as busted. It's like, <laughs> oh, baby, get ready. Glasspool Mimic has entered the chat. Like, I... When they first showed us, hey, we're doing Cascade again, like, I said... I'm excited because I want to see what they've done to like make sure that it can't be busted. But the whole just <laughs> extent of what they did was make it so that the numbers weren't as small as the, it was like, this is the only way we can imagine cascade being broken is the violent outburst, getting a zero mana spell interaction. And we're just going to make sure not to do any of that. And it's like, this is this mechanic, like, ran standard for years like there was nothing else that you could reasonably do in standard except for cascade because of the I played like, stupid enlisted worm in standard which is a six mana five five with cascade that's yeah, all it that's does. the whole text on the card <laughs> you're telling me that was a fair mechanic <laughs> like i guess i just I was excited because I didn't know what the draw was to bringing Cascade back. And I was like, they must, like, the pitch must have been so good. And they must have brought something super cool to the table. And they just fucking didn't. Like, there's nothing <laughs> worth it here in the set to, like, make this, like, all right, th- th- that's fine. I understand why we have this. Like, I don't understand why Cascade is in the set at all. I think you had some miss, um, you're missing some context, which is that. <laughs> Cascade is very popular in Commander. Okay. Yeah. I mean, that makes sense. Therefore, yeah, let's just put it in standard. Put it in the Commander sets. The Commander sets exist. This is like you have a whole thing set up for stuff that shouldn't be in standard, right? That that the Commander players want. Hey, these Commander decks slap, though. Like, the Ixalan ones are really good. I'm sure. I think Pioneer... Probably still, it either would be like a kind of boring format and like maybe this is shaking it up or like now we just like all have to take a break from testing as, you know, the the leagues are unplayable and then <laughs> the cards get banned and then, you know, there there is an RC this weekend that just Cascade is going to be legal for. So we do get to see. Yep, that'll be cool. There, I, I would be flabbergasted if they banned anything from Lost Caps of Ixalan within two weeks of its release. Mm-hmm. That's yep. just not something I can ever see Watsi doing. They just explicitly do not want to ban. Well, the but they cards. do have the emergency ban window like kind of for specifically that reason. And I wonder. Yeah, we'll see if this is an emergency. Yeah. <laughs> or if they want to sell more Trump and Carnosaurs. I mean, this is the kind of thing that like could become one. I don't think it's there yet because the decks are like very interactable with and like quite exploitable. And I don't know if the evolution of the decks lead them to like overcoming the interaction. But, you know, a deck with make disappear and get lost in it is like a nightmare. And there's a deck with make disappear and get lost in it. And 
that's uh, a good start for beating Cascade decks. Alright. I don't I don't know where else to go from here for Pioneer. That's it. Let's let's do the unhinged modern ban list episode. Okay. So let me set the scene. Do it. Modern is in a form it, it's in the five stages of grief right now. Okay. Because Which stage? that's approximately how often the card is played. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Just constantly. Uh right now we're somewhere between denial and anger. We're pretty much always between denial and anger. We're, we're in stage 10 of the five stages of grief, actually. Oh, okay. Because I, I know we're never getting to acceptance, that's for sure. <laughs> but this I've podcast accepted it. Is... I've embraced it. I only play grief decks in the format. Oh, okay. Well, that's that's fair. I haven't yet. I, mm-hmm. I've been playing Soul Cauldron decks. That's my, that's my jam. But there is a ban list stream that's not banning any cards, but going over their philosophy for ban list uh, the next Monday and six days from this, when we're recording this podcast, that'll be super interesting. I'm really looking forward to that. We don't know what formats it's about, but I kind of have to assume it's at least a little about modern because of the month long storm of grief. Yes. Although now some of the attention is probably going to get focused on Pioneer because of recent <laughs> developments. Yeah. There's a ban announcement the week per, uh, following on the 4th. We don't know the format of that either. I'm assuming something will get touched in some way because why well, have a stream otherwise. So I want to talk about just modern the ban list. Uh, bans and unbans and I'm going to give, uh, I think it was Ari's disclaimer, where anytime you talk about the ban list and especially unbanning cards from the ban list, you're going to sound silly in some regard. That's going to be true for this podcast. It's just a constant. We tend so to at sound some point, silly about We'll stuff say something eventually. silly and you're just going to have to roll with it, you know? Yeah. <laughs> uh, but basically this is kind of my philosophy for the ban list in modern right now. I think, and I've said this on previous podcasts, so it may be a little bit of review for faithful listeners, but I don't think just banning grief makes the format good uh, because of the prevalence of super good card advantage engines like the Ring and the Beanstalk and and even the Cascade engines as well. Like that, they're their own genre of that effect, even at a lesser degree nowadays. But it's just... I can easily see the format becoming like it was in the Yorion companion era, where it's just four color as far as the eye can see, because you you're just pushing out all of anything that's smaller than you. That isn't like literally killing you right. kind of in an over the top linear combo way, which was a very small percentage at the time. Yeah, I mean I think there's there's kind of two ways to interpret the metagame in modern as it exists right now. And I think either you believe that i mean like the only deck really that keeps up with beans right is scam and scam can like cut off the ability of the beans deck to take advantage of its card advantage by shutting it down killing it quickly and using orcish bowmasters to just kind of lock them out of the game uh and so 
it's possible that if you ban grief, okay, this like beans ring deck just nothing really can keep up with it in that way. Like it'll get card advantage before anybody can kill it. Um, there, there is an alternate take, which is that scam is keeping the like linear decks that would match up very well against the beans deck out of the metagame. And so beans is able to like stomp everything that is playable that like has game against Rakdos scam, but would get beaten by stuff that would beat scam. I am not sure that that's true because I just don't even know what those linear decks are that like have a good matchup against beans. See, I do think it's true to some extent because mm -hmm. I am on those linear decks side. So if you somehow eradicate scam and four color gets to play all the same cards they usually do, you will see decks like grinding breach, mm -hmm. uh, which it cannot beat scam at all, yeah. but is very very comfortable saying four color mm -hmm. uh something like twiddle storm if they don't have to deal with scam and they're just playing against you know creature removal deck that can't really interact with them that would be good for them but like the problem there is that you've kind of boiled with this approach to the ban list i think you at least on the surface have boiled modern down to cardboard acquiring decks in in the form of the the beans decks mm -hmm. and then decks that ignore card advantage entirely because they're going so over the top and there's like nothing in between that which i don't think is super healthy in its own regard except for amulet you know amulet's always going to be there kind of in the middle of everything <laughs> yeah no no room for wild nacatls in this hypothetical metagame though right so what i would like to see to the ban list me personally kind of a pioneer beginning of pioneer era the purge where we just unban a ton of cards and see what happens Mm -hmm. because there are so many cards on the modern ban list that I think were banned correctly at the time. Maybe some of them were, maybe some of them weren't, but as more cards have been printed have become less and less powerful because of the existence of interaction. Now, like all of the elementals and all of the forces, like for instance, uh, one of my favorite cards is KCI. We'll talk about that later. But at the time KCI was banned, Mox Opal was legal, uh, and the following cards did not exist. Collector Oof, Karn the Great Creator, Force of Vigor, Force of Negation. <laughs> These cards just didn't happen. And Grief. Yeah, trying to resolve KCI in a Force of Negation world is a very different animal from trying to resolve KCI back in the, like, Jeskai control humans Phoenix days, like... Yeah, like, right. Like, what, what is Dredge going to do against me versus what is the four-color deck going to do? Well, Casey is still probably good against four-color. But you get what I'm saying. Like, there's a million cards that exist nowadays to combat some of the more linear right. cards that were banned that just didn't exist at the time they were banned. Mm -hmm. So I kind of want to... I've split up the ban list into a bunch of categories. We can talk about them as we get into them. But I've basically got never unbans that's the first category then probably don't unbans then i think unbans that are completely safe sure and then cards we'll go through and talk about one by one mm -hmm. uh how do you want to tackle this like what order kind of just the order that you have them in right because i, I think that the never unbans are pretty clear we don't have to say too much about them same thing probably don't unbans we can like touch on them a little bit and and then we can just like go into why we think the safe unbans are safe and then all of the the like high discussion ones are the, that's really the meat of the episode. 
Okay, so the never unbans cards yep. that are egregiously unfun or tournament logistically bad. Mm-hmm. So I, in this pile, I've got Sensei's Defining Top, Second Sunrise, Mental Misstep, Jataxian Probe, Ponder, Deathrite Shaman, Oko, Hogak, all the companions that are banned, which are <laughs> Luris and Yorion. <laughs> yeah, and just take the rest of them anyways. Just, just yeah, sure. fit them all in. Just scooch them out of there. <laughs> <laughs> then we got Tybalt's Trickery, Arkham's Astrolabe, and Eye of Ugin. Mm-hmm. I don't think any of these cards promote anything healthy in the format or even interesting to be honest uh, and a lot of them such as like Luris or Sensei's Defining Top or Orkham's Astrolabe just kind of break the tenets of the game in yeah. a way that isn't interesting or fun yeah I mean you'll get people arguing for maybe Ponder Ponder is egregious though both from a, like I watched some Legacy this weekend because Eternal Weekend was on and holy mm-hmm. crap, Ponder just adds so much time to games. Like Ponder is essentially a one-shot Sensei's Divining Top, but it's like one and a half to two Sensei's Divining Top activations every time you cast it. Mm-hmm. And it's it's it hurts. It's bad, yeah. I, I played against a Dreadhorde Arcanist this past weekend in an RCQ. Uh, and they, you know, they were Grixis. They attacked their Jedhar Arcanist and they flashbacked their Preordain. And as this was happening, like, thank God Ponder's not legal. Because if yeah. this person was playing Ponder, we would just not finish our match. <laughs> uh, yeah. I Ponder just can't really be in modern. It's it's just too good. And I don't really want to play matches involving fetch lines and Ponder in modern. So that, I'm fine with that. You also get people who think that, like, I if Ugin was the wrong ban and should have taken the other should have taken Eldrazi Temple. I don't care at all about that. So, you know, I don't think Tron needs a, a value land to expedition map for in that way. I think that was like a fine secondary hit of that ban. So I have Ugin not a both for the Eldrazi reasons. Although I have have seen some people arguing about like Turn two thought not seer is not even that bad compared to turn one grief, and uh, Eldrazi was not okay. And what there's about no reason turn to go back one, to that double Eldra- Eldrazi mimic, then turn two thought not seer. Yeah, what <laughs> about that, okay? that one? Yeah. <laughs> How do we feel about that one? <laughs> I don't feel good about that one. <laughs> to be fair, I have Uvin was the one I put on this list last because I think mm-hmm. it's the closest to probably Dolan Man, but I, I just like why why bother i i just don't think it creates it could i don't think it could possibly create anything desirable so pretty clear don't unban to me oh i should also probably have Golgari grape troll on here <laughs> yeah the one that got <laughs> unbanned and rebanned i think that one's a safe like not this one yeah there's a two strike policy in modern and Golgari grape troll has hit it <laughs> although endurance exists i i don't think we can justify Golgari grape troll's return <laughs> Yeah. All right. In the probably don't unban category, I've got both of the Delph spells, Dig Through Time, Treasure Cruise, mm-hmm. uh, and a bunch of the fast mana cards Rite of Flame, Chrome Mox, Simeon Spirit Guide, Summer Bloom. Those those five. Yeah. Then Once Upon a Time, Feel of the Dead, <laughs> uh, Mystic Sanctuary. I mean, not to like nitpick, but pretty confident that the Delve spells are just like they can't be 
you can't have fetch lines and delve spells legal in modern like that just like can't be a thing and also chrome mox literally gets better every single set that's released so i think it's even more busted now than it ever was before and uh i i, I can't imagine chrome mox mo every deck would just have chrome mox in it yeah my reason for the, the one mana fast mana cards on this list uh rifling chrome mox and spirit guide are mm -hmm. all like I get free spells exist now, but I don't think that's a reason to go ham on turbo mana. Well, the the turbo mana is too adaptable and you can use it for proactive stuff. And like the thing that everybody hates about the free spells is mostly that they hate grief. The one proactive threat of the the whole bunch. Oh, and don't worry. There's a huge contingent of us who hate fury because it kills your board. It does. And you. Yeah, that, I mean, reasonable, but it's certainly grief is certainly the most problematic of the bunch because you can be on the play and just put it in and be 70 something percent to win the game. And that's very different from what the other free spells are generally doing. And Chrome Mox just kind of creates that scenario with like a dozen, like, like, like a probably way more than that, but like a dozen magic cards that I could just like reel off, you know? Yeah, it's aggressive. I wanted to put Mox Opal in this category as well, but I wanted more discussion about it, so it, it's in the mm -hmm. discussion phase. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah uh, Summer yeah. Bloom is Chrome also... Mox is just too easy. Chrome Mox requires nothing and just... Like, card count doesn't matter, particularly in a world where you're just, like, playing, like, you know, a, a two-drop a two on turn one into Fable on turn two or whatever. Like, it just, like, doesn't matter that you're down a card. Especially since there's so much more card advantage even combo decks play like the mm -hmm. one ring <laughs> oh yeah chrome mox one ring is just completely untenable for modern turn one beans with chrome mox like come on we all know chrome mox just can't be be in modern i, ha I have summer bloom also for mana reasons uh it's slower air quotes than mm -hmm. the other ones but it's also you know we don't we, we've yeah. that one before i think the fact that Amulet continues to be completely defensible and sometimes maybe the best deck in the format because it just like keeps getting more amulets and stuff like <laughs> Summer Bloom also gets more egregious as time passes. Yeah, it, the amulet's doing great. It's been a tier one deck throughout, you know, what's whatever the meme is. Yeah, all of history. <laughs> right. Uh, once upon a time, I just I don't know why we would unban it. I think it's safer than the other cards, but like, why? Yeah, it, it was not even necessarily that it was like, it is too good. And we all like kind of knew that it was going to be, but it also just creates this dumb loading screen at the beginning of the game where you like keep your hand and now you have to resolve a once upon a time. And it's just stupid. Uh, Field of the Dead and Mystic Sanctuary, I think are a little, I, I have heard arguments for either. Mm hmm. Like that, feel of the dead is too slow nowadays and modern or whatever. And Mystic Sanctuary, I actually haven't heard the arguments for this one, but I don't like either of them because they are extremely monotonous while not rewarding you for doing anything like impressive. Mm -hmm. Like, feel of the dead, you play a game essentially, you don't have to play win conditions because the feel of the deads will do that for you. You just like have to sacrifice a basic land for a snow basic that's identical otherwise. <laughs> like that's not a cost yep and the mystic sanctuary is almost the exact same thing but you have to play islands yep both cards are egregious because they're lands 
Right. They're just too cheap. The deck building cost is just too low. These are the cards I think would be completely safe to unban, which could change modern. Uh, not saying they're not like not going to have an impact on modern. It's just that I don't think they will have such an impact that they will just need to be immediately banned again. Mm -hmm. These cards are Splinter Twin, Bridge from Below, Blazing Shoal, Punishing Fire, Seething Song, Hypergenesis, and Mycocephalatus. Okay. Give me your thoughts. Uh, all right. I mean, let's just... So, so ones that I, like, agree with completely. Bridge from Below didn't do anything wrong. It wasn't even... Like, it made the deck worse, and it was, like, only in the deck because you wouldn't be able to keep up with the other Hogak decks if they had Bridge and you didn't, but it made you worse against every other deck in the format. It was really funny, but it, which we only kind of realized for sure after the ban. Uh, it is also like not really a magic card, so we're not suffering that much by not having it in the format. There, there's one person who is suffering from Bridge from Below being banned, and that's Aspiring Spike. Um, yeah. I guess, and also <laughs> all of Aspiring Spike's viewers. But yeah, I it wouldn't be good, and it's also like the weirdest magic card in the world, and it's it's fine. Uh, Micah Synth Lattice, I 100% agree with. Basically... Every time you would be dead to Karn Mycosynth Lattice, you're still just dead to Karn, like 97% of the time or something like that. Mycosynth Lattice just allows the game to be over so you can move on to the next one. Yep. I disagreed with this card when it was banned in the first place and still disagree with it now. Like, it just, it doesn't matter. Yeah. Like, you have to have... The 10 mana, they can't have anything that can attack Karn. They can't have anything in their hand that can interact with the Mycosynth Lattice. It is, you know, it was funny at the time. The, like, it makes everything colorless, so you can't even, like, draw Force of Vigor is a, a very yeah, funny force. interaction. But I, I, like, very rare to, like, lose to Mycosynth Lattice when you wouldn't just lose to Karn being Karn. Yeah, I, I had a match, I remember vividly, where my opponent... Uh, cast their Karn, grab their Mikes and Lattice. They didn't have 10 mana, so I knew it was coming, right? They just, like, grabbed the Lattice for later. Mm -hmm. So now they're, like, in this position where I wasn't able to deal with Karn on my turn. So now we're going back to their turn, and they can either cast the Lattice or do other stuff. In this instance, my opponent chose to cast the Lattice, uh, and I only had a mana up, so I Galvanic Blasted their Karn uh, after letting the Lattice resolve. Yep. So now that they didn't, now the lattice was in play and they didn't have Karn. So I could just cast spells as normal and I drew a Karn for the turn. So I killed them. <laughs> yep. And probably if they had just like, you know, gotten normal Karn stuff, they could have just outcarded you and, and yeah, they would have been in a way better position. Yep. Uh, yeah. So I, yeah, I, I agree. I don't, I don't think that my lattice should be banned. Splinter Twin, yeah, probably not powerful enough for the format. I think it's a pretty safe unban. I do think that it's like a pretty unfun deck to exist, like if it's playable at all. Like, I don't know what the incentive is to put Splinter Twin back in the format, but probably no deck with Pestermite or Deceiver Exarch can be played. Like, those cards aren't good enough to play in Modern. Yeah, like, I think this is the... Modern Splinter Twin was banned in what, 2015, 2016? Mm -hmm. That was a long time ago. 
Uh, since then, Modern has gotten significantly more powerful. Mm-hmm. And I'm okay with unbanning Splinter Twin, even if it is a fringe, like, people will play this deck. Because people want to play it. People don't understand why they want to play it. Uh, they will, <laughs> they played it in, like, 2013 because they got free wins. Right, exactly. That's why they want to play it. And all of the excuses about, like, how fun it is to play and how, like, good the play patterns are and how, like, interesting the matchups are, are all cope. The only reason you want to play it is because it was very good at the time and you had like a 65% win rate with it, especially against bad players. And if you, if you think that there's another reason, then you're lying to yourself. Yeah, I played Splinter Twin a lot when it was legal and I did not enjoy it that much. <laughs> like, <laughs> I would find excuses to play Storm and they would ban another Storm card. And then I'd be like, well, okay, I guess I'll play, I guess I'll play Splinter, Twin. Splinter Twin again. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> But yeah, I think you can unban this one just because people will play with it and enjoy it, and it's just not going to do that much to modern. Like, it just doesn't matter that much. I get that you can play better cards. Like, you can play Force of Negation, the One Ring, whatever. Other decks get to play those cards, too. It'll it'll be okay. <laughs> yeah. Uh, all right. Blazing Shoal, again, probably fine. But it isn't up to any good, so... So I want that. That is something I actually like. Yeah, I want cards that are not up to any good that are essentially glass cannons. Do you know what you have to do to play Blazing Shoal? Right. You got to put Progenitus or whatever in your deck. Yeah. Or Dragonstorm or yeah. some other ungodly bred card that they printed that I don't know about. Mm-hmm. Just some really expensive high power thing. Plus, you have to play with if you want to do infect stuff, play with infect creatures. You barely have to play with Infect Creatures, though. I think it's mostly a an Ink Moth Nexus-based combo deck that I think could play like very weirdly these days with the cards that are available to it. But I am okay with that. Like I, I don't mind introducing linear decks mm-hmm. into the format because there just aren't that many of them. And it's nice to have... like If one end of the format is going to be infinite inevitability with their uh, pitch elementals and card advantage permanence mm-hmm. i'm okay with having strong linear stuff that's easy to disrupt yeah i hear you i'm a little bit skeptical of blazing shoal I, I i'm not i can't like quite put my finger on it and like i could definitely see it getting unbanned and really not being a problem and and maybe even creating like okay here's like functional aggro deck in the format we finally have access to one uh, I, I, I'm just a little nervous about it, but it, you know, it was banned at the beginning of modern and we're in a very different place now. Yeah. It's so far removed from the beginning of modern. <laughs> I, uh, what I expect to blazing shore unbanned tomorrow, it, people would play it for a while, mm-hmm. uh, and it would not really make any waves. Yeah. I, I, I could see that. Solitude in particular, a card that is difficult for a Blazing Shoal deck to like exist around. Yeah, and if it gets too good, you can just start playing free spells and, I don't know, Plague Engineer on mm-hmm. Phyrexian, sure. which is not something you could do for two mm-hmm. reasons when the card was around the first time. <laughs> Punishing Fire, I agree. This card would be just like barely playable in the format. We've come a long way. Yeah. It's barely playable in Legacy, right? And we're playing the same threats in modern as get played in legacy because it's like the threats improved as the answers did not i don't think that punishing fire would like the, there's the argument that like oh it would make small creatures unplayable but like 
Orcish Bowmasters, Ren and Six, Fury, and Lava Dart all exist already. So pick pick your poison here. Yeah, show me the small creature decks in modern, please. Then we'll discuss your concerns. And and it's it's it would not be punishing fire gatekeeping them. Right. Like Fury is right over there. Right. Like you, you have to be doing something special with your small creature deck that is going to be good against the other stuff, so punishing fire also will not match up well against it, whatever you're doing there. Also, I just bought New Grove of the Burn Willows, so, you know. <laughs> it is. The original Grove of the Burn Willows is a beautiful card. It's so saturated. I know. <laughs> the text box. It's so good. And then it's got the, the spaces for mana symbols, and there's no mana cost on this land. It's so good. I've told this story before, but one of my fondest magic memories ever was playing a, a GP with Jund Living End. I, I, I draw my hand against Grixis Death Shadow post board. It looks completely unplayable because I have no cyclers in it and it's just like not it doesn't do the living end thing. But then I realize that it 100 percent locks my opponent out of being able to deal combat damage to me in the game because it has two Grove of the Burn Willows and a Leyline of the Void in it. So they can't put cards into their graveyard. The, their threats were only at that point in time were only Death Shadows and Delve creatures. So Leyline of the Void means that they don't have enough mana producing lands in their deck to cast Tassiger or Gurmag Angler. So they literally can never put one into play and they can't ever get their life total low enough to cast a Death Shadow. And so the only thing that I have to worry about is hard cast Street Wraith. So I keep this like deeply unplayable hand and play what was probably my opponent's most miserable game of their entire life as they played against Grove of the Burn Willows Prison with their Death Shadow deck and won like a 15 turn game with that hand so i you know fond memories of that card if your opponent is still playing the magic they probably also still tell the story but from a completely flipped perspective they were a really good sport about it too like like they were laughing about it at the end like once they they thought scoured themselves and put their like one mana producing land in their graveyard and they were like oh can't cast street race now and that was the game <laughs> and then yeah seething song whatever i don't know what seething song is doing that like iron crag feet isn't do you know like is there a storm deck almost certainly not it like it's only casting belcher and i don't care about belcher oh this is a wild take i see i think this is the strongest card in the list of in this bracket i just don't because think of storm works in a f world that forces oh, don't, don't get in. me wrong don't get me wrong i think it's completely safe to unban that's why it's here right but i do think there's like auxiliary uses where there are more there's goblin and archimancer and underworld breach exists now sure and stuff like that where you can like theoretically do other stuff with seething song you're still making a ton of mana it's the only thing the card does but now yeah. you can put it in other shells where you're not just trying to like gift sun given a seething song stuff right. like that yeah, whatever it is, it definitely doesn't involve past in flames anymore. That uh, we've right. we've moved past past in flames. Um, yeah, I mean, there, there's probably some underworld breach deck that like Seething Song is doing it in, but the the three mana barrier to entry on that card is like pretty high, and you know, I I agree that I am not worried about Seething Song. It also took forever to get it banned, and it was like I was skeptic. Everyone was skeptical that it was actually a problem when it got banned, right? Like, it's Seething Song. It took one year to get banned. It was banned in the second year of Modern. Mm -hmm. And it just didn't need to be at the time. Like, I yeah. remember it very clearly. Like, Storm was not very good. They had just printed 
Eidolon of the Great Rebel into Eidolon of Rhetoric right. like, in the same year. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then they banned Seething Song. It's just like, excuse me? <laughs> it was very odd. That that was when they were on their kick of just like, we cannot allow Storm to be a deck in Modern <laughs> was like a thing that seemed to be like a guiding principle. That was their ban philosophy at the time. No stream required. Uh, and Hypergenesis, I agree, probably bad, and we already have Cascade decks, but this is just a dumb card. It's just the, one of the dumbest cards, if it works. So I don't know. See, I think this is the same as the Glimpse of Tomorrow decks. Like, sure. there, there's already Glimpse of Tomorrow decks that exist that just have, like, 4,000 Eldrazi on them, or mm -hmm. big creatures. And those are a little different. You can whiff. No, you can't really whiff. You you can whiff a little more, mm -hmm. and then you don't get land, mana-producing lands after you do it. So it's certainly worse than Hypergenesis. But it's basically the same thing, other than that. Like yeah, just I mean, big guys into I don't know. I feel like Hypergenesis is probably better. You also get to run, you know. Oh, I, I think it's better. better I don't think it's stuff. like enough better. Sure. I, I think Rhinos is probably better than Hypergenesis. Maybe. I don't see any reason to put Hypergenesis into the metagame, though. I don't think there's a justification for it. Yeah, we can keep banned. It, that one doesn't bother me. Yeah. I just felt like it wouldn't do very much. Probably right. Like we already have Cascade decks, and like what kind of what's the difference at some point? But right, it still loses to Cascade Hate and all mm -hmm. the other stuff. It just gets to play fewer interactions than all the other Cascade decks. Yeah. All right. All right. The discussion portion of our hour-long episode at this point. Yeah. <laughs> These were ones, you know, some of them I think should be unbanned, some of them I think shouldn't. But okay. I just kind of wanted to talk about them because I think they deserve to be talked about. Mm -hmm. And these are not in any order other than color order because I was just going through Scryfall as I was writing this list down. So that's how we're going to start with the first card that isn't white or blue because those are all <laughs> never being unbanned. <laughs> Dread Return. Well, this is a really good card, Lee. It is a good card. That's why it's on the ban list. Yeah. It's shockingly easy to enable, you know, Narcomoeba as kind of the first iteration of Narcomoebas and blood gas are kind of like the classic thing bridged from below, obviously, like part of the equation. Very, very easy to enable if you are good at milling yourself, if you're good at dredging and, you know, stuff that it gets out all wins the game now. Like you. So so I, I think that one of the things that like really makes me reluctant about dread return is that you don't need to play like blazing archon or whatever to do dread returning you're not getting back iona you're like getting back an ox of agonis that finishes milling your deck and then getting back your thassa's oracle and easily will winning on the spot and only spending like, or, get, or just getting back thassa's oracle yeah yeah like <laughs> for something else a different deck that mills its deck Basically, Dread Return will get back Thassa's Oracle at the end of every game that the Dread Return deck wins. And that's pretty sketch to me. <laughs> yeah, I, I had seen some people advocate for unbanning this one, and I don't see it personally. Mm -hmm. If Thassa's Oracle didn't exist, I think we could try to talk about it. I, I think but... I agree with that, yeah. I mean, I, I think it would still be extremely powerful, but Thassa's Oracle does exist. Yeah. All right. Next one's a fan favorite. Yes. For, for many. 
Faithless Looting. I'm for it. G- give me Faithless Looting back. You don't think Faithless Looting's too strong for modern? I think Faithless Looting certainly died for Hogak's sins at the time. Like, I-, I think that's kind of like inarguable. I do think it's extremely powerful. Of course, it was in multiple tier one decks at the time. Modern Phoenix was completely playable through Hogak Summer because of the power of Faithless Looting was a big part of it. Like without that, like making the deck just have this like incredibly high power level, you could still play through this like graveyard hate heavy metagame and just play Phoenix. And you also had like a reasonable matchup against the Hogak decks. And, you know, without Faithless Looting, obviously the deck is completely unplayable. So it's contributing a lot there. I just don't know that it's contributing too much to like match modern's power level and you know we've got endurance these days we have this need i think to power up interesting linear decks that kind of are really struggling to exist right now and i think cards like faithless looting and faithless looting in particular does that in a way that is like interactable with when you want to beat those decks and I think it would be okay. Faithless Looting has only ever been like completely out of line to me when in Dredge. And maybe it powers up Dredge. Does does it get there though? Dredge gets like beaten by a lot of stuff these days. Yeah, I think Dredge is the least of our concerns for Faithless Looting personally. Mm-hmm. Like it, it just doesn't feel like it's been relevant for a hot minute uh and that would change with faithless looting like it gets a huge power boost from that card for sure but i it is a a deck that is a lot weaker against something like endurance than phoenix is for instance yeah uh i'm a little hesitant on faithless looting i think i am more on your side of the line where it should get unbanned just for diversity's sake mm-hmm. but it is certainly super powerful and i think my main strike against it is that Unlike other cards in this list, which have been basically indirectly nerfed by a ton of interaction, being able to deal with it way more effectively, mm-hmm. there's not really that much more for Faithless Looting. Like it's we mostly have, Endurance, yeah. We have Endurance. Stuff like Dranith Magistrate exists now, or Core Sanctifiers. I think Urza Saga is also a, a kind of subtle, like... Yeah, that's that's a fair point. Gets a Crafter Goose Cage. Yeah, it gets cage or it, you know spell bomb or whatever, and and then if the graveyard decks are more relevant, then you're more incentivized to main deck a, a piece or two. So I I would like to unban faithless looting. I'm mm-hmm. in agreement with that one because I think there's just a lot of interesting decks that faithless looting unlocks. They're not more problematic to the format to me than something like scam or even the beans deck that's not tearing up right now. <laughs> Uh, I think a hollow one type deck being able to exist or a Vengevine type deck being able to exist because of Faithless Looting would be good for the format. Yeah, I remember Bridgevine dying, you know, with Faithless Looting's ban and then Bridge from Below's ban where it's just like this deck was completely inoffensive. It did mm-hmm. nothing. People love to play it. I remember it like five of leagues. And I played it a couple of times myself mm-hmm. and it was just like. Yeah, this deck's pretty fun. It can do some very powerful things, but God, is it so inconsistent. It's just not doing its thing all the just, time. Like, I want to discard Blazing Root Wallace to Faithless Looting at some point. Like, that sounds really fun to me. 
I think Hollow One would be pretty nice to play mm-hmm. without being out of bounds because you have to introduce so much variance into your deck to play Hollow One nowadays. Like unless yeah. we're playing Bizarre Trade Mage or what have you, <laughs> which I doubt. Probably not that one. Like I reserve the right to be wrong on this, but I think Faithless Looting lets us do cool stuff that would allow us to kind of like sidestep or keep up with scam on power level and also keep up with like beans and rings card advantage by doing stuff that like yeah you can't evoke enough you can't evoke enough furies to to beat my graveyard deck and i'm gonna reiterate our disclaimer here and also reiterate that i again want the purge where we just go ham on modern for a while Mm-hmm. And if Faithless Looting's too good after that period, that's fine. We can ban yeah. it again. Yeah. And then it'll go in the Grave Troll Two Strike Club. But we're but we're, and, and kind of the conceit of this whole thing is also potentially that we're doing a like release all the gorillas and all the snakes and, and whatever at the same time and you know right. see what kills each other off. Exactly. Like is Faithless Looting more powerful than Splinter Twin? Yes. Yeah, it is more powerful than Splinter <laughs> Twin. That's that's an easy one. All right, birthing I, I think pod. it's both more powerful and more fun to have in a format. <laughs> I agree. Are you ready to move to birthing pod? Yeah, birthing pod. I, 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 I'm of two minds on this one. First, on power level, ultimately probably ends up being okay, especially given the existence of fury and stuff, and the fact that you like have to play mana dorks to make it work, and like your deck has a lot of like goofy air stuff that isn't good when you have the actual birthing pod in play uh but birthing pod doesn't do anything fun anymore it's just a combo kill yeah you just activate it and you win the game yeah and, and it feels really bad when you draw your pieces right i i think that's just atrocious to have in the format i am on the side of unbanning this card mm-hmm. i think it would be i can only see this card going to one of two ways uh it is played a bunch and people figure out really easy to win, way, win with it and it alleviates its weaknesses and the format kind of like bends around it and starts playing lava dart or whatever and kind of cleans it up and you don't have to worry about it anymore mm-hmm. or people just go ham figure out how to be the lava dart decks and you people just die a bunch of the time when they play against writing bug not super fun but i'm here i'm here for the purge i think like I get it. I just generally think that there's not a fun there's not an outcome here that like merits it. There's no there's no goal here that I think is worth pursuing because You're we not never Oswald fiddle bendering. Exactly. We never end up at a point where it's like look at look at my super clever birthing pod build with this like weird card to cover this interaction and it's just like I just need to know the lines that let me combo through each of the things that you have done. So I kill you the turn I put my birthing pot into play with a single mana dork. And I don't I don't think that's good. Yeah, what's my one random common from Akoria with a weird creature type that, you know, is the right. exact. Yeah. I, and, and because the entire engine is just going to be devoted towards like, let's get these corridor monitors into play and undap this birthing pod and. Like, I don't know. I think it's just like less fun Yawgmoth. And we have Yawgmoth at home and Yawgmoth is great. Okay, that's fair. Glimpse of nature. Elves all-star glimpse of nature. 
Unbanned Glimpse of Nature, you can't play any of the cards that go with this card. <laughs> yeah, that is exactly how I feel about Glimpse of Nature. <laughs> like when someone figures out a very cool Glimpse of Nature build after all the cards have been, you know, unbanned and whatever. Cool. You know, we'll see if it's too strong to exist in modern, but I strongly doubt that it is. I, I might have had a different thought process on this might have had like i don't know different reservations or whatever i i just watched elves play against orcish bowmaster on the legacy legacy uh, eternal weekend stream just like having glimpse in hand like i just can't cast this card because the that orcish bowmaster will just kill everything that i put into play if i cast this card it represents a plague wind and a nine nine creature all in one card yeah I, I, everything will die and then I will die to combat damage. So yeah, glimpse is fine. It won't do the thing. All right. What about green sun Zenith? My only reservation is that it's amulet's already very good and it would be unstoppable in amulet as, as a card, probably fine and definitely fine. If you ban a dryad arbor which is the only thing that like really made it like a completely fucked up card but assuming that we don't ban dryad arbor i think like green sun zenith as like a mid-rangey jundi card or whatever is like completely acceptable in this day and age it's just way too good an amulet so the real question is am i willing to give amulet the power up of green sun zenith versus Mm -hmm. the rest of the farm being able to play with it yeah that that's the crux of this band to me, and I am willing to give Amulet that power up. I think <laughs> it might ban its other uses by existing in Amulet, though. Is kind of my feeling on it, right? How do you mean? It, it, like you can't play the other Green Sun Zenith decks when you're going to play against Amulet with Green Sun Zenith in it. So it like almost only has that one use by virtue of being so good at that one use. So what I'm curious of, and I haven't played a ton of Amulet myself, is how much better Green Sun Zenith makes Amulet? Because I do mm-hmm. agree that it makes Green uh, makes Amulet better mm-hmm. to a good degree. But I don't know how much it fundamentally changes the way Am- Amulet functions as a deck, the way that something like Summer Bloom would, or even Once Upon a Time. Because you are certainly more consistent at finding your creatures, which is the whole crux of your deck. Mm-hmm. But you're not doing anything different that the format's not already expecting you to do. Does that make sense? But like you're still putting your creature into play. Missing a little bit is part of the whole deal. Um, like that's that's why the deck is defensible. I think. And really, you think if Amulet just didn't miss, it would be too good? Yes. I, okay. I think I think with Green Sun Zenith, you're going to turn two and turn three a huge percentage of the time. With access to the number of amulets that the deck has access to now. That's fair. It would spell on King and, and such. Yeah. It may be. I, I'd like I, I to see I do think the it. crux of this. I, you know, I would be really interested in like, you know, a versus live stream that's like, let's play Green Sun Zenith amulet against something and just like see how good it is. I want to see that. And if we need to like unbanded and modern to see it like i'm like kind of game i just suspect it would like catapult the deck i think you're right and it probably shouldn't be unbanned but i don't think you are right enough that i wouldn't unban it okay (laughs) some men just want to see the world etc etc yeah that's me that's me 
I'm very upfront about that in this episode. Yeah, I mean, I want to watch Dom play a PT Top 8 with Green Sun Zenith Amulet and just, like, see that. Like, I, that's entertaining for sure. But he got to the PT Top 8 without Green Sun Zenith in the deck, so that's, I guess that's my reservation. Yeah, and, and if he had access to Green Sun Zenith, he could have played, like, 65 cards, 66 cards, 67 oh, man, cards. yeah. Any number, really. I mean, it gets very tempting once you have Spelunking and Green Sun Zenith to just jam more cards. Mm -hmm. All right, what about Uro, Titan of Wrath? Buddy, buddy with the Field of the Dead from above. Is Uro even necessary anymore with beans? Like, is it even that good? Probably, but kind of who cares? <laughs> have we just gone too far past Uro with beans and ring? Yeah, that's what I think is hilarious about Uro. I think Uro is a good card, but it's almost kind of small ball. Nowadays. Yeah. <laughs> like, it, it, the last time we played with Uro, I remember it being very heavily subsidized by Arkham's Astrolabe and Field of the Dead, cards I would never unban. Mm -hmm. And those just aren't going to exist anymore. Right. So you're now you're playing it in a, you know, you have to fill up your graveyard and it gives you your card advantage land thing. But right we've already got all these card advantage cards and it, it sees play in legacy but in legacy you have like a a weirder floor for like mana you know like the things it does with your mana are like weirdly helpful to you in legacy and also you play all your cantrips so it's much easier to fill up your graveyard for it although you know in modern in a beans deck you do fill up your graveyard just by dumping elementals into your yard i mean earl would be good it would be playable yeah i think Uro is fine like I, yeah. I am team on ban Uro. I don't think it makes games very miserable the way it did in the past because honestly it was more misery miseried by the lands, Mystic Sanctuary and yeah. Field of the Dead than I was Uro. It, it really was Sanctuary and Field of the Dead that was – and that they also – they made the games bad and they paid you off heavily for being an Uro deck because you were able to do so much stuff with your land. You know, they, they subsidized the power of Uro in a way that like – he doesn't do all of these things on his own. Right. And they'll print more lands that are good, but I'm willing to let Uro free escape mm -hmm. from the ban list. Sure. All right. Mox Opal time. Let's, let's see it. I mean, ex Mox Opal existing with Underworld Breach is my biggest concern here. I, I think that that is a lot. Mox Opal existing with Hammer it's kind of fun that's something that might be extremely good but kind of neat and i don't know i i'm kind of down I, mox opal okay. is one of the cards that like probably has you know in its absence the the cards available to it have increased its power level relative to the format yes that that is one of the things about mox opal is that it gets better over time. Mm -hmm. uh, I love this card. This is one of my favorite cards of all time. I own more than a playset of Mox Opals. Mm -hmm. It's in one of my cubes. I don't think this one should be unpanned. I, I would not even for purge purposes. Yeah. Like, I just think it's way too strong. Like not only because of Underworld Breach, which I think is really egregious, but also because it's the same things for the most part as the the one mana mana ramp things i didn't think they should have been earlier mm -hmm. like it's just also those things especially with urza saga existing yeah i mean it, it does seem like you probably can't have urza saga and mox opal in modern at the same time like 
that's that's just too too much because like the main thing holding back decks that are running like urza saga and maybe urza is just like they're a little inefficient on their mana sometimes and they stumble a little bit and if you just are like yeah i'm putting four mox opals in this deck then they're machines right yeah and especially with saga right where you can just grab another mana source mm-hmm. just and another artifact for your uh guy without the downside of springleaf drum being just horrible sometimes right. right so yeah i mean i think that's like a huge thing is the cards that we're playing in place of mox opal that are terrible cards but that they're filling that need and so they still get played like mox amber gets played springleaf drum gets played and so the need for this effect is is clearly great and the power level of mox opal is so high that i yeah i i'm pretty nervous about this one and that's going to lead me into me breaking the order because i want to talk about the artifact lands Mm-hmm. because I actually want to unban all the artifact lands. I'm down. And if that's the case, I do not want to right. ban, I do not want to unban Mox Opal. Certainly could sure. not unban Mox Opal if you can play Seed of the Synod, Great Furnace, etc. Yeah, and I want to unban all the artifact lands. I just I think they're great cards, but A, it's the purge time. B, mm-hmm. I, there's so many more answers to random artifact permanents that you really have to be digging you have to get being paid off of them immediately there's a lot of cards that do that like i thought monitor and urza and Urza saga and just like voltage surge type effects where you're just sacking artifact beseech the mirror well i do think like that, that like the you know, there's there's a chance that like artifact lands get unbanned, and then the most powerful thing that's happening is like Galvanic Blast, Shrapnel Blast deck that just like kills on turn three a lot or something like Deal. that. Sure, I'm okay with that. Yeah, because because the but that's exactly what you're saying is that those give like those immediate payoff to having artifacts in play is like it's the fastest conversion that you possibly can have. Right, and and there's so many more art answers to my opponent is playing a deck of 20 artifact lands mm-hmm. where you can just play collector if forces force figure you know all those cards i listed before about the kci those just are also relevant yeah. as the artifact lands but Brother, to an even brotherhood's larger end. extent because it's yeah brotherhood's end that was the big one i mentioned a podcast or so ago um march of like otherworldly the, light just kills it for a mana right like mm-hmm. so you know stuff like that <laughs> gleeful sabotage you could play it on your own artifact lands or theirs hey oh gleeful demolition yeah go sorry i made exactly that 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 miss miss name on the podcast before yeah like they have so many vulnerabilities but they are extremely powerful like i just kind of i this one i'm more just curious about like i just want to see what happens when artifact lands are unbanned like i just want to know i think artifact lands are possibly the funnest unbanned on this list because they're obviously powerful, mm-hmm. but also have this like delta of payoffs versus how hard can I get punished? How many should I play? Yeah, which sometimes is a bad thing for when it just like creates this incredible binary of like, if I don't get punished, you can't beat me. If I do get punished, I'm not playing magic. And it's that's not always the best. And like, I wouldn't be shocked if artifact lands got unbanned and then a couple of weeks later it was like we got to get rid of these motherfuckers <laughs> yeah, artifact lands frogmite cranial plating 
We would, I'm we would maybe make Frogmite playable again. That would be cool. Yeah, let's go. Those tap lands are trying their best, but mm -hmm. those bridges are not. But the bridges, the fact that the bridges see play is really like, man, yeah, artifact lands are probably pretty good still. They are indestructible, though, so you can't Brotherhood's end away your opponent's bridges. Yeah, Nasis Rise and Shine deck doesn't work with regular artifact mm. lands as well. <laughs> uh, moving on to Skull Clamp. How do you feel about Skull Clamp, the world's least played band card? <laughs> I suspect it would... I mean, crucify me for this. I suspect it would be borderline unplayable. Ooh, okay. I think... I good good. I just think it's punished by all the stuff that exists. And imagine you're playing your skull clamp deck and you don't draw your skull clamp and your opponent has fury in their deck. You lose. Imagine you they have an orcish bowmasters in play and you're trying to skull clamp. What are, what are we accomplishing? <laughs> all right, so problem A solved by Urza Saga. That, that that thing fetches a skull clamp. That's true. The, okay. That's pretty yeah. nice. The fact that Saga fetches skull clamp is a a, a a pretty huge thing. Yeah, for sure. Problem B, we simply play our own Orcish Bowmasters. It's two <laughs> it's one Very ones. good with skull clamp, yeah. It kills their bowmasters and you go off to the races. I think yeah. skull clamp would be a good card, but okay. I'm team I'm pro unbanning it anyway. Mostly okay. for science. Also like <laughs> I don't know what decks would have, would come out of Skull Clamp. I imagine it's actually probably uses a combo piece more than a I think value so. engine. Or else you're just building your own up the beanstalk at some point. If you're just drawing cards, you're right. just a worse beans deck. Right. And so it's way more interesting to me as some combo engine card than anything else. And it could possibly be too good in that role. Mm -hmm. But the base reason it was banned in the first place, the like... People can play Arcbound Ravager and Artifact stuff, and this card is too good because they get too many cards out of it. Is just not where we're at in Magic anymore. I mean, like, it, I would think be, Clamp, it would be something in Hardened Scales, probably. Yeah, sure. It but maybe something fun in Hardened Scales. Yeah, I think if you're just playing a Skull Clamp in Hardened Scales or two Skull Clamps or whatever to get value off of your creatures dying when they're playing removal spells against you. That's pretty inoffensive to me. It's I reject this like, argument, by the way, that that skull clamp would be like good in hammer. Like, I think it would just be garbage in hammer. I think you could play one to like saga up, but I don't think it's ever doing anything busted in that deck. Exchanging like mana and your permanence on board for cards is literally the opposite of what hammer wants to do. Yeah, once they exchange the permanents they have in play for every single card their opponent has in play, right. which is by killing, killing you. <laughs> I think it's just the opposite of the game plan of the deck. Uh, if if Skullclamp just gets played fair in this hammer method we're describing or this hardened skills method, I think it's completely inoffensive. Like mm -hmm. we can just unban it. The ring exists, bean scale exists. I know this card's very cheap and could be two on Stoneforge or Urza Saga, but that's fine. Like that's pretty small ball. I mean, if, if anything gets it over the top to like, this is not fun. It's because we're get like, you can get it off of Urza Saga. So you have such reliable access to it. Yeah. And, and it, I think it has to be part of some sort of combo. Like you just keep equipping the same thing over and over again and draw mm -hmm. your deck. 
<laughs> it would be cool in Yogg. Might might be very good. That like I think maybe the Yogg deck would be pretty like reimagined by the existence of that would be Lamp. that would be pretty nice. It's yeah. kind of like extra Yogs in your deck, mm-hmm. and it gives you something to do with mana dorks. It's an interesting yeah. tension between playing X one mana dorks and X two mana dorks. Right, right. This is another one that I land on. Like, okay, I'm just like really curious to see like how things would play out. Yeah, I don't. I don't know if Skull Climb's too good. I think it might be, but I'm willing to unban it. And find yeah, out. I'm along for the ride. All right, Quark Clan Ironworks, one of my favorite cards of all time. Again, well, I have a lot of favorite cards on the ban list. <laughs> I yeah, I know. That's this is just your way. Um, Force of Vigor and Force of Negation did not exist the first time around, and that's a big collector if Yeah, n- the none of the none of these cards existed. Um, yeah, I think Quark Clan Ironworks is. I would have put it in the completely safe unbans if I didn't want to talk about it more, because this is just like the most safe unban. Also, you can't play Mox Opal. Yes, that's and that's the thing. If you can't play Mox Opal, what are you even doing with Kirk, with KCI? Like, I still think you can build good KCI decks. Like, mm-hmm. Spike has this whole, you know, Mystic Forge also didn't exist the first time KCI was in play mm-hmm. either. So you can build these, like, you know, Rube Goldberg machines where you have Mirror Retrievers and Mystic Forge and you have KCI and you can do stuff. And that is inoffensive to me. That just seems like another artifact combo deck with all its normal weaknesses. Like the KCI deck that isn't the KCI scrap trawler combo deck where you are kind of abusing these weird mana payment rules in order to (laughs) trick your... Like it feels when you explain the rules to your opponent who doesn't know what's going on, you've cheated them. You're swindling them. Yeah. That one particular interaction was some goofy nonsense, but yeah. But that's just not really going to happen that much without Moxable because there's no incentive to build a full combo version of the deck. Now, with Artifact Lands, KCI might be too good, but I'm willing to go for it anyway. Because yeah. that, again, doubles down on its weakness too. Like if my deck is I entirely mean, Artifacts... But even my like in that good. world, like the the free mana to get you... like it, It's a four mana sorcery in a world where force of negation exists and you're you're playing it and maybe artifact lands in a world where force of vigor exists it's like you have all of these like intense weaknesses that i think are are probably keep it in check like i'm i wouldn't be afraid of playing against like any kci deck with a living end deck right like if i have four grief four force of negation and a fast clock like that feels like a fine matchup to me with the full KCI combo, I'd probably agree with you. But I, any KCI deck I'm envisioning playing in this new modern world, mm-hmm. I would also be comfortable playing against Living End. <laughs> 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 but that's just like kind of how it is, right? Mm-hmm. I, I just don't think this card. I think if you banned no other card off the list, KCI would be easily the safest on ban. It would barely make a dent in modern. Yeah, with, without Mazda, even more so than Splash. Pretty, pretty nerfed for sure. Uh, but you know thrown in we're also pro unbanning the artifacts and skull clamp i still think card Knight ironworks is okay i mean like, i do want to see that, that offensive it sounds sounds like something yeah I, let's go for it i'm i'm willing to roll the dice on this again mm-hmm. all right umazawa is jete another classically banned card i mean is it doing anything that like 
Ren and Six and Fury and Orcish Bowmasters aren't already doing to the format? Like, what what are we that afraid of here, I guess? One of the arguments is that Stoneforge must stick can tutor it up, and in Creature Mirrors, it is very difficult to beat. Okay, there's one Stoneforge Mystic deck. I don't know. And that deck is already really good against other creature decks. Yeah, I don't I don't mind it was always Jete. Like, it doesn't bother me at all. And I'm not really a creature deck guy, so it was always Jete has never seen I've never really seen as a problem. Mm-hmm. But ever since we've gone out of the like cycle of modern where humans was a good deck. That was kind of the last good actual creature deck in modern. Jete is just unoffensive. Like nowadays, the closest thing I get to a creature deck is like Zoo, right? Yeah. And that's not a Jete deck. I mean, like Yogg. Like Hammer having Jete in play against Yogg is like, you know, all right. Well, yeah, but is that a sideboard card or a mainboard card? Right. Yeah, like, I don't know. Jete is, in a, is not. It's efficient. not a good card to draw against a lot of your opponents. Yeah. Right. I, I do agree. And like Hammer versus Yogmoth, Jete is pretty good. Mm-hmm. But right. asterisks. But then you draw it against <laughs> Living End, or you draw it against Tron, or you draw it or against Beanstalk. Four Color. Like it's still good. Like it, it always has the plus two plus two mode when you mm-hmm. connect with a creature for the first time. But the first time you do that, you have to pay at least four mana for it, even if yeah. you're violating it in. Yeah. Like I think Jete is a, a fine unban. Mm-hmm. Especially if we're also unbanning Punishing Fire, because we clearly don't care about creature decks. <laughs> I mean, we're we're just all in now against them, I guess. <laughs> just wait for the punishing fire jete jun deck to exist it really knows what it wants to beat all right now for the lands okay these these are heavy hitters lands on this ban list are, are good yep yep cloud post i don't know i i don't have enough experience with or against cloud post decks to like say this for a certainty i do know that cloud post is semi-playable in legacy a format where wastelands are everywhere and mm-hmm. that seems like it's something that would probably be tough to deal with in modern. I think Cloudpost is too good for modern. Yeah. <laughs> this is one of the cards where I'm like, I know people hate Tron. How about Tron that can't lose to burn? <laughs> How do you feel about that one? <laughs> yeah, I, I think people would hate Cloudpost pretty. Like, we develop a very intense hate of Cloudpost. There's also more Vesifas now with Lost Caverns and Ixalan. If you wanted to, you could play Gatling Deeps, so they can't even kill your your cloud posts effectively there is alpine moon now uh to go along with blood moon which is a little more interesting for cloud post hate Mm -hmm. but i think the base rate of the card is just so strong and what makes it egregious to me is glimmer post the gain of life reach locus on the battlefield not even you control that's also one of the things i hate about cloud post it's (laughs) not number of cloud posts you control or locuses you control it's the number of locuses on the battlefield so the mirror is atrocious yeah yeah i mean that that is really funny and like not actually a reason for me to not unban cloud post that the mirror is hilariously bad like whatever you deserve it but i do think that yeah it probably makes too much mana too consistently too quickly and the you know i don't know if like any of the caves get involved in the action or whatever but it's just like very easy to make copies of your lands and stuff and uh, i i think it would be at least Tron, you got to find the three separate pieces. With this one, you just got to find the cloud post and you're just making a ton of mana. 
Yeah. A lot of your deck on Tron is dedicated to finding three separate, differently named Tron lands. Mm-hmm. With Cloud Post, you have a Cloud Post. Like, if you have one Cloud Post and your other cards are like a Vesifa and a Glimmer Post, you're not yeah. operating at max efficiency. But it doesn't matter. Like, you yeah. you have plenty of mana. Yeah, I, I agree. I think Cloud Post is, is too strong. It's playable in a format where, like, Wasteland is the most played land. And that's a that's a sign that it's too good for for modern. What about Dark Depths? Dark Depths is sick. I love Dark Depths. Not scared of Merit Lage anymore. Mm. Don't think the land is too hard to interact with compared to Legacy. I don't because you. It's not just the land. It's a creature, and it's a token. It's a token, and we have Solitude and stuff, and we have March of Otherworldly Light, and we have prismatic ending i guess I, I, I think it becomes very good i think it also becomes like a thing that you can get with primeval titan which is i don't know if, if just like we end up just giving amulet all of these angles of attack i'm learning that ccr is a very anti-amulet gamer on this podcast <laughs> it's just amulet's already very good like what's the <laughs> what are we trying to do here I think you can't ban Dark Depths if you want me to tell you my answer. You can't unban <laughs> like, I think Dark the, Depths. Yeah, I think the land is so incredibly powerful. And also, while not being as free of an inclusion as something like Feel of the Dead, mm-hmm. because it it's doesn't pretty, produce mana. pretty cheap, yeah. It, it's it does just have in a your mana base, cheap, yeah. Right. Like, in Amulet, you brought up, just getting Dark Depths, Thespian Stage, or Dark Depths, whatever, is very nice. Like they have to deal with your Titan, or they're going to die anyway. Now they ha- also have to deal with your your uh, Merilage. Yeah, and whatever follow up Titan you get. Like it gives you so much flexibility. You can also build straight up Dark Depths focused decks, kind of like they are in Legacy, where you have Elvish Reclaimer and mm-hmm. all those random creature land things, and you try to protect the Merilage token and kill your opponent in one shot. Yeah, yeah, and a lot of that stuff is just straight up legal in Modern. Like a lot of the cards that you you play in those decks already it's just pretty much just not crop rotation everything else is legal and obviously crop rotation is the best one but yeah (laughs) the the other one's from enters set yeah yeah i i i am pretty convinced dark depth's probably just too good too too easy to put a 2020 into play at your opponent's end of turn where they just can't do anything about it and yeah i think that this one this one probably has to stay on the ban list yeah, I think so too. And I think that is every single band card. Ironically, I did forget one band card when I made this list initially. Uh, you'll never guess which one it was. No, I won't. It's KCI. Oh. I just forgot about KCI. <laughs> <laughs> to me, it just wasn't banned. All right, so here's, here's what we've got in our new modern format. We have Unbanned, Splinter Twin, Bridge from Below, Punishing Fire, Seething Song, Mycosynth Lattice, Faithless Looting, Glimpse of Nature, Uro, The Artifact Lands, Skull Clamp, KCI, and Jite. I'm interested. I want to see this particular modern format. I don't give a shit about no banless modern. That's deeply uninteresting to me because it's obviously a disaster. This one, though, I would like to see how it plays out. Yeah, no banless modern is clearly you play the most powerful cards. And Jatax and Probe Middle Most Depper in the format, so it's kind of miserable. Yes. This is, you know, 
we're trying to build a format. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and, and, and there will be more, some messy stuff, and some of the stuff would have to go back on the ban list, probably. Yeah, it's it's more of an experiment like Pioneer, right? Where Pioneer got started up, they banned stuff after lunch every week, <laughs> and that was just the ban schedule for a while. It was like, when we get back from lunch, there'll be more stuff on the ban list. Yep. And then have fun for a week. Yeah. I, and I'm I would down. like to see some of those shackles lifted from a bunch of modern cards especially ones i think would be close to unplayable bridge from below splinter twin glimpse of nature like those cards yeah glimpse of nature is just a really like seeing that match was just an orchid bowmasters on one side and a glimpse of nature in hand on the other side it was just like this is a different era of magic the gathering from when that card was banned in modern also, more importantly, I don't want just the safe unbans because I don't think those go far enough. Mm -hmm. Like in the modern format we're at currently, it's dominated by Arachnus Scam. Uh, and there's, you know, rhinos and beans and all these value decks just kind of lurking. I want more cards from the ban list that evoke modern of old. Faithless Looting kind of being the headline there, mm -hmm. where oh yeah, Graveyard is a thing we can do and should be aware about in while building our sideboards. Sure. Or, uh, I said KCI is perfectly safe to unban, and I still believe that, but it is nice, like if the Artifacts lands get unbanned, for instance, yep. we have to think about putting Collect Roof maybe back in our sideboard for once. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like maybe we play that instead of Curse Totem, because we're no longer making the decision between do we want to hurt scales and uh yawgmoth or do we want to just stop people from playing artifact lands like do we want to just nerf artifact lands plus the hardened scales matchup for instance sure. and just ignore that we don't have curse totem for yawgmoth yeah yeah and right go back to those classic like sideboard slot decisions the old like do i play ancient grudge or do i play you know surgical extraction or whatever and yeah is P if pvddr isn't on twitter talking about how there should be 20 sideboard slots in modern we haven't accomplished our goal right we're, we're in a we're just in a terrible modern universe where there isn't enough nonsense right we're, we're, this is a return to nonsense and i fully embrace it <laughs> return yeah i'm down I, I i would like to see some of this for sure i do think that ban grief doesn't work the format's going to be like pretty miserable if you're not doing unbans, you have to be careful and do some like multiple bans if you think that this format needs fixing, which, you know, there's there's a lot of scam in these modern results. But I do think that this would be a cool way to reset the format and maybe build something new and, and fun and interesting. One of the things I hate about the only bans, no unbans kind of deal, I, I get that we unbanned period a little while ago to... Mm, very little fanfare but if we just keep banning cards out of the format i don't think that actually grows the format we're just playing the next best card mm -hmm. <laughs> what grows the format is introducing new cards into it and a lot of the time that's just through set releases sure uh, agatha soul cauldron was really huge for modern uh bringing yagmoth to a new level of power and actually reintroducing art and skills basically into the metagame uh I remember playing that deck before Soul Cauldron and being pretty happy with it. Like it was, you know, a scrappy deck 
And then Cauldron came out, and I was like, wow, this deck is so cool. So mm. strong now. Yeah. Every every card's an Arcbound Ravager? Holy moly. <laughs> but you can also introduce new cards into Modern just by letting some of the cards become legal again. Yeah, we already have a store of cards that, like can and will make a difference in the format and yeah i think this is a, and have a history associated tool with them, which is yeah. important like if you unban skull clamp people aren't going to be like you know if it's just released in murder carlock manor people aren't going to go hmm i wonder where this goes in modern i wonder what it's like i wonder if it's powerful enough they're going to be like oh my god they just unbanned skull clamp how do we abuse this yeah in today's day and age yeah yep i I agree. I, I think it would be really fun. And yeah, there would be missteps along the way and but whatever. Like it would be fun. And that's kind of, that's the biggest goal, right? Yes, that is my goal for this entire episode. Just to talk about a theoretical world where we're just trying to make modern more fun. Definitely more powerful, but also a little more varied, hopefully. Yep. Yeah, we've gotten some really, really incredible reactive cards that stop threats. And I think that some of these things that were just too good because you couldn't really effectively answer them, that's just no longer the case. And I would like to see like what happens in a world where like, yeah, you have to deal with force of vigor, force of negation, the elementals, like just all of this stuff. Yep. Yep. I'm, I'm, I'm ready for it. Let's go. So, you know, in December 4th, when Watsy follows this ban list, here's this ban list podcast and unbans exactly these cards. Mm hmm. You heard it first. Yep. <laughs> yep. And it's our fault if it's bad. So you can come blame us. No, it's still Watsy's fault. I, I, won't, I won't take that much responsibility. <laughs> Fair enough. Anything else we want to hit on before saying our goodbyes? No. I will talk about Pioneer later. That's the hot topic. Modern. Well, yeah. I played Narcissus this past weekend. It was kind of fun. I played Yawgmoth. That's it. Yeah. I played uh, both showcase challenges this weekend. I played the modern one. I started six and one, but then we still had three rounds to go because it was a <laughs> 10 round tournament. So uh, I played living end living End felt good. I lost my last round at, you know, at seven and two played against Jabberwocky. And I, I think I punted my game three against him and, you know, learned some stuff. So definitely good to just get these, these high level hard tournaments in. Mm-hmm. There's, I'm not, this is a non sequitur because I'm not about to describe a hard, a high level tournament, but there's an RCQ this weekend locally in Charlotte, I believe that I might go to if people are, because I kind of want to do something. Yeah. I also really enjoyed playing Yakmoth. That that deck it's is a, extremely fun. It's a really fun deck. Yeah. I had a, I had a fun experience. Like I, I played against it in the tournament. And then my so usually you lose to someone and then they show up in your chat and say GG's. And it's like, OK, yeah, yeah. OK, fine. Like good games. Uh, but every once in a while you beat somebody and then they show up in your chat and say GG's and you're like, oh, you're you're chill, huh? And so I, I played against a Yawgmoth player and I drew pretty well against them. And it's also a bad matchup for them and beat them. And they showed up in my chat and we talked about our sideboard plans for a minute or two. And it was like really nice. And it felt, it, you know, is that experience that you get at an RCQ or whatever with a cool opponent where you like talk about the matchup afterwards. And it, it was really cool. Yeah, I, I had a, also playing Yawgmoth against Living in this past weekend. 
is not a great matchup for Yagmoth. <laughs> I had really good hands and managed to win anyway. And we just chatted for a while. Yeah. Also, one of the things about um, Magic and me playing events is it's really important that I enjoy my, my, my time. <laughs> and I played, like, I was having a blast playing Yagmoth. I did not do very well with the RCQ. I went three and three, I think. Um, just, just no shot at top eighting. Mm-hmm. But learned a bunch, had a bunch of fun. And one of my scam opponents who dispatched me was like not happy because they just hated playing scam. And I'm like, this, <laughs> they, they won the match. They won the match. <laughs> and they were not happy. And, it, <laughs> and they were just like not having a good time. And I'm like, oh man, this is rough. Yeah, Scam is never a deck that's done that to me. I have played decks and been like, oh, yeah, this this really sucks. And like, but it hasn't really been like the last time that happened to me was playing like post faithless looting Vengevine. And I was like, oh, this is pretty much the worst tournament I've ever played. I hate this deck. Like I, I despise the Seedron Crab experience. Usually I, I manage to just have fun playing Magic regardless of of the deck that I'm playing. But I get it like. I, I understand being tired of scam. Yeah, we rode up to the tournament with Max, who usually played four four color decks. Mm-hmm. Uh, for this tournament, he wanted to win, so he Sweet. picked scam. Mm-hmm. Uh, made top eight and lost to a mirror. Hated playing the entire tournament because <laughs> he just like doesn't enjoy scam at all. Sure, and didn't he? He described all of his games as uninteresting. Like mm-hmm. he didn't really make any relevant decisions, and he won a bunch. Or his opponents couldn't make no relevant decisions. <laughs> yeah, that is a certain part of it. It's it's not ideal. But once they unban all of these cards that we've suggested unbanning, then then we're in yeah, for Scam won't be a problem. Yeah. <laughs> well, cool. Yeah. I enjoyed this. This was a super fun episode. Yeah. We'll go back to normal stuff next week, but I yeah. wanted to get all this band stuff out of the way before, you know, if we try to record this next week, Watsy's already on our stream and we'll have to taint our opinions. <laughs> yeah. I, wanted, I wanted our band list to remain pure. pure. Yes, 100%. <laughs> pure, unadulterated, our own opinions. Thank you all so much for listening. We really, really appreciate your time. If you want to lend us some support, head over to patreon.com slash mtggrindcast. We're sending out tokens and stuff. Uh, we got cool things and, uh, you know, more stuff in the works. So appreciate everybody who has been doing that over the last couple of weeks. And obviously podcasts will always be completely free, no obligation whatsoever. Uh, and, and feel free to come hang out in the discord. The, the link will be in the show notes. I think that's it for us. Have a great week. Yeah. Bye.